Welcome to Dark Days Radio Presents Dark Hammer A Worlds of Warhammer Podcast. I'm one of your regular hosts, Chris, and I am joined again by Mike. Hey, Mike. How's it going? <laughs> uh, it's going great. It's October, and I'm ready to worship yeah. the Dark Gods. And we're going to finish off this blasted series after promising <laughs> it for so long. Um, yep. Right, so... Before we delve into that, if you um, follow us, uh, we've got some a new episode of Realm of Fire out where we bring back previous you know, host, originator of Realm of Fire, uh, Brendan, and we talk about what's cool in wargaming and some opinions about how books are dead for war games um mm. and uh just what's cool coming up you know things like legions imperialis cities of sigma there's been some more releases that gw's been uh showcased this last weekend for a few things um i think the most interesting stuff i'm looking forward to is everything for necromunda because there's a new book coming out uh new van Sar minis are on pre-order next week uh, this weekend squats. and squats squat, squat vehicles yeah um so there's lots of good stuff there um and some new war cry train is out which it looks actually pretty neat so yeah i'm thinking i'm thinking we have to go down that route um and mike what have you been doing gaming wise any war gaming related stuff or no 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 war gaming uh no warhammer really um the only game i played recently is the arkham horror living card game uh, which is oh, okay. a cool little, you know, Call of Cthulhu inspired game. Uh, we saved the city of Arkham with uh, like one or one turn, <laughs> like one action yeah. remaining, basically. So it was uh, it was pretty tight. Um, it, it's a good game. It's a good game. Uh, it's got a lot of really finicky little mechanics to to keep track of. But uh, once you get it moving, it's uh, kind of cool little stories and neat explorations for some people in a uh, 1920s pulp uh, setting. Mm. So. It's pretty fun and can definitely inspire you for Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay and Warhammer 40k, especially Imperium Maledictum. Yeah, that would work quite well. Um, on that kind of topic, actually, related to that, uh, I just finished watching with Sam The Fall of the House of Usher on uh, Netflix. Obviously, mm. it's based on Edgar Allan Poe's work, um, but actually the full concept of it, you could see working quite well for uh, Warhammer based kind of mysteries um for certain so i would highly recommend yeah. looking at that i i feel like there was a um age of sigmar novel castles of blood by cl uh werner or Werner that was kind yeah. of in the same vein as fall of the house of usher um Ooh. i listened to the audiobook a while back but i don't remember it super well i just remember it feeling a whole lot like warhammer fantasy yeah um, and then kind of sort of I'm gonna say semi-related because I was I've been looking at it is the um so I've backed Modifius's uh Cthulhu, which is Roman Age Cthulhu using the their 2D20 system. Mm -hmm. And I'm getting definite Warhammer vibes from it with us obviously with a system that is, you know, having played now um Star Trek using the 2D20 system. I'm actually quite confident on actually running the uh, the the starter scenario that they've put out for that. So that might be something we investigate yeah. for the uh, podcast. Because again, there are some people working on that, which people will recognise the names of, like um, Doug Seacat and uh, Matt Gitts, who have worked for or still currently work for Privateer Press. So, and thus who I've worked with. So um, there's some good people on that project. 
Right, let's dive into the main topic for this, which is uh, finally the last of the Chaos Gods. We're talking about Demigods and the Lost. So we're just going to get started on this. We are going to start, of course, with Bellacor. Always the bridesmaid, never the bride. Uh, so, Bellacor, aka Dark Master, first damned, father in shadow, harbinger, lord of torment. He is the first demon prince elevated by the Chaos Gods collectively. So, uh, his species of origin is unknown in any of the settings, though it is like I would say it's likely he's human that he was human in the 40k uh, universe. Hmm. I think it's a bigger dunno. It could be elven origin potentially for the old world though. Yeah, um, you know, so there's a big world, question mark. Old world, I'm not sure. Um, you know, Malekith is running around. It, it, I think it depends on if he's before Malekith or after Malekith. I have to go look at the timeline basically. To figure he's out. before Mal. He's before the the first um invasion of chaos onto right, right. the old world so he's before so he could malachith be, he could be some sort of pre-human um yeah or another species but you would not be humans as we know them today we're not be like homo no. sapien essentially and obviously with 40k universe it's a it's an interesting thing to say he was collectively uplifted by the chaos gods because the question then with his origin is uh did he come into being only once Slanesh came into being, which is 31st millennium, or because time is a weird thing and technically the Chaos Gods don't give a shit, um, then does Slanesh's existence and interactions with time and time being non-linear to the Chaos Gods allow for Bellacor to have been created before Slanesh came into being in the universe, in into the 40... First, you know, the 40k universe. So there's a weird question mark there, which I think is interesting in its own right. You're breaking my brain right now. This is, uh, I don't know which way this would go. Uh, Yeah. Uh, It could be an interesting causality loop, whether Bellacor Mm. was ever involved in the the fall of the Eldari, leading to Slanesh's uh, creation and thus being the other god required to bring into being Bellacor. So that's weird. Anyway, so, um, yeah, Bellacor is a master manipulator, which we will learn of, and uh, is completely jealous of the Chaos Gods uh, because uh, essentially gifted by them, constantly uplifted, and then they kind of, you know, got distracted by other potential, uh, you know, leaders for their demonic hordes. And so Bellacor just wants to take charge instead. In the old world, then, um, the or- origin is that Bellacor was a savage warrior who pledged the Chaos Gods, travelled to the Chaos Waste, where they were rewarded with elevation to demon demon princehood. Uh, though, because Bellacor was collectively elevated, it meant no god had true control over Bellacor, which meant Bellacor actually had, I guess, was making use of lots of loopholes to, to act freely and bargain for more power constantly getting more power because oh corn's giving me more power so she's like hold on a minute no you're favored by me and so constantly playing them all off against each other 
So the good question then here is that when did Belical get to the realm of chaos? Because that means was that around the time when the polar gates collapsed, or was it before somehow? You know, was there some other kind of uh, fissure into the realm of chaos? Uh, so, and once that occurred, once Balakor is now a demon prince, uh, is essentially in charge of the demonic hordes unleashed onto the world by the collapsed uh, polar gates, and obviously taking charge of the tribes in the north. With that growing throng of followers and other demon princes that have been raised up, um, it meant Balakor's power kind of got diluted or was at least challenged by these other rivals as, you know, kind of that that collective power of the chaos gods gets diluted through other agents and i think that's a really interesting theme and concept that sure the demon princes ultimately want to kill each other off to to have more of that pie you know more of the power uh yeah. and then Belacor was involved in um in the the fight in the first invasion into the old world and was banished back um, by the uh, Great Vortex. And as that happened, so the Great Vortex created by the um, the elves, uh, they that, uh, that also meant that Balakor's power, which was, I guess, somehow also maintaining these grotesque, profane temples and, and idols that were in the northern wastes and other lands that have been um, uh, taken over... All collapse. The kingdoms that he that Belakor created collapse, and Belakor, of course, gets punished uh, by the Chaos Gods. And the punishment is to crown the next selected, ever chosen champion of the Chaos Gods, who will lead the invasion into the old world. So already, Belakor has, you know, gone to great heights achieved so much power and then has it stripped away and is made to be powerless before the next ever chosen. So Belakor has already uh, uh, an axe to grind with the Chaos Gods. So going on from that, uh, Belakor is essentially trapped in the realm of chaos and only permitted to leave to perform this one act as Kingmaker. And once performing that act is then also essentially seneschal to the Everchosen to lead the armies of demons that would be under control of the Everchosen during that invasion. However, Belakor, even as a spirit in the Realm of Chaos, still is able to worm his way out of the Realm of Chaos and tempt and influence mortals. Again, more than likely related back to the fact that Belakor's power is based upon all of the Chaos Gods and Belacor knows all the loopholes out of that deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and actually, that's a, yeah. that's a cool idea right there because he can act as an agent for all the chaos gods. Essentially, you know, you need a demon to go out there and basically make a, a pact for Nurgle or Corn Slanesh. Uh, Belacor's spirit would be able to act in that manner, but also basically take a bit of the uh, you know portion of the soul or other. Um, reward with it uh which definitely kind of keeps him in the game uh whereas other demons you know would be pretty much out of it at this point exactly and of course Balakor has um found numerous numerous 
has attempted this over a number of times. Uh, the most notable was uh, binding their essence to the warp zone meteorite that struck Mordheim. And there, a Shadow Lord planned to lure the next ever chosen to Mordheim and possess them. But the problem was that the very thing that Bellacor had access, that gave Bellacor access to the world was also essentially a jail of sorts. So Bellacor was bound to the city itself. And this is something right. that um, comes up again in apparently in a, a, one of the Godrex of Felix uh, novels where. Um, in a second attempt, Bellacor has the corpse of the last ever chosen, uh, Cardon the Gloried, to uh, be brought to Mordheim and to possess that corpse. So Bellacor is out to basically inhabit the bodies of ever chosen and to become essentially a demon prince in mortal form. And I guess, again, that fits into the thing of if Bellacor can possess a person, then they're no longer bound by the rules of the realm of chaos because they're now within the mortal realm fully, which is interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, of course, the other thing was to do with Albion. So this is the uh, Storm of Chaos where before there was the Rise of Arkham, there was another chance to take mortal form again. Uh, again, gathering lots of uh, energy uh, from the winds of magic to this island to create a mortal form this was only a partial success and all and so bellicor's form was semi-corporeal um and then this is the real kicker in all of this in all the lore that i can't remember which book you know obviously been using wikis and stuff to build this up but um the reference that bellicor is possibly um the father of Archeon through a demon mortal union, which is crazy. What? what? Yeah, what? yeah, yeah. Where'd this come from? Never, oh, never heard of this. This is this is wild. Let's, this let's is wild. There were a bunch of Archeon novels, so we never know what they're going to put in those. Uh, uh, let's see. This is great radio right here. This is great radio as we try to uh, figure uh, this yeah. out. There's there's so because, much more. Yeah, Archeon was a. Uh, uh, he was an inquisitor, I think, or a priest of Sigmar. He was a um, he, he was a priest of Sigmar of some sort. Or, yeah, yeah. And then I don't cannot confirm, so use that with a, a grain of salt. But I mean, you know, that could definitely be a uh, central plot point to an RPG game. Uh, figuring out that or using it against Archeon certainly could be pretty interesting. Yeah, the uh, exactly. the fantasy um, story arc for Bellacor is pretty rad, in my opinion. You know. We were playing more time back in the day when it when it first came out, and you were learning all about the Shadow Lord. You're like, "Oh man, who's this guy?" They came down with a giant meteorite for, or a comet from Morslib, the uh, the Warpstone uh, Moon, and then this character crops up again in that Dark Shadows campaign, and then finally has a real culmination where you find out it's Bellacor in the uh, the Storm of Chaos. Um, so really cool story arc. This doesn't work out very well for Bellacor because in the uh, the retcon story, he basically he and his army of demons walk up to uh ah oh, geez, I think it's I think it's the Grand Theogenist who just kind of yeah. you know twirls his mustache and they all run away. Pretty lame, but uh, Bellacor, and we'll see this more with Age of Sigmar and Forty K. He's just a rad example of a conniving demon who's also incredibly savvy and powerful, um, and he 
and, and this is going to be a, a running theme in this episode, he offers kind of like, um, I'm not sure if I use, should use this term, but like a fifth column to the uh, to the chaos gods. A, yeah. uh, uh, you know, kind of an alternate path and uh, very interesting, you know, uh, foil to them. Yeah, because Bellacor the- has basically aspects of all of them because Bellacor is essentially... <sighs> well, he was Bellacor is a trickster... He's a trickster and mm. and you know a destroyer leading armies in that sense uh, is a temptress mm. uh, certainly is playing with with um, concepts of fate and prophecy with you know possessing people or potentially you know being the father of of Archeon is certainly playing with fate there uh, so yeah Bellacor is is a is an interesting entity. Uh, yeah. That has, because of their aspirations, I think it would be really interesting to pl- to to witness a cult aligned to Balakor, who mm. could easily be to player characters in Warhammer Fantasy roleplay, actually quite likely allies against cults of the other of the other gods, if it aligns with Balakor's um, uh, own you know machinations. Mm. 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 And you brought up a really interesting point, I feel, because he is a trickster demigod now, but that's not how we started off. This isn't like Loki um, in Norse mythology where he's always been a trickster. He started off as this powerful, you know, savage warrior becoming the ever chosen. So clearly a great leader, a great warrior with aspects of all four chaos gods. But because he was struck down, punished, uh, he was forced to take on this more trickster aspect. Uh, which makes him pretty unique. Yeah. And of course, Bellacor's um, <laughs> enmity towards the Curse Gods does not end uh, with the with the ending of the Old World. So Bellacor persists past the end times. Uh, clearly, <sighs> Bellacor must be pissed witnessing the fact that Archeon succeeds in destroying the Old World. And essentially, I guess Bellacor has a new plan because Archeon is the Everchosen. Archeon succeeded. Archeon leads yep. the the forces of chaos across the mortal realms. So why be the ever chosen when you could be a god? And so this is really, I think, you know, Bellacor's realization of like, screw the chaos gods, I'll be the chaos god. So there is some question whether that during the age of chaos, Bellacor was worshipped in the realm of Ulgul uh, before the coming of Malarian. So Ulgu is the realm of shadow. That makes sense with Bellacor's kind of shadowy aspect um, and would be a perfect place for Bellacor to uh, begin starting up cults and forces aligned uh, to them. And then during the Age of Sigmar, Bellacor has faced numerous opponents, uh, such as the invading forces of the Night Haunts into the Eight Points, uh, which led to some interesting, we're not going to get into it here, interesting interactions with the, what's the term? The leader of the uh, of each of the groups of the undead. But it's Alinda, the um, leader of the Night Haunts. Uh, that's a particular term, I can't remember it right now. Uh, but more interesting then is the fact, because basically Bellacor, like found her... Um, her corpse and was using that as a control over her. So, and then Bellacor orchestrated, and this is like so mad, orchestrated the fall of one of the Zinchian silver towers in the realm of, I think it was the realm of metal. And the disruption that 
that fall of the Silver Tower basically smashed into a realm gate and unleashed a whole load of, you know, warp, energy, magic, whatever you want to call it, into the realms in general and created what's known as the Cursed Skies above the Mortal Realms. So this Cursed Skies uh, essentially meant that Stormcast Eternals, when they die, could not return to the Realm of Heavens, to Sigma, and so became their souls became trapped there, which is why they had to create the new type of Stormcast that were able to penetrate through the Cursed Skies. Um, this also then allowed the siege of Vindicarum, which is another city, I think, in the realm of metal, in an effort to win more favour from the Chaos Gods. And then on top of all of this, using the souls from the Cursed Skies, Bellacor has created um, a champion of his own called Eternus, who is essentially infused with the souls of Stormcast Eternals. So essentially, Bellacor is creating, or has begun creating, Nega Stormcast, so Chaos Stormcast, which, in if you have a look at the model for Eternus, the miniature is a kind of almost like a, a Chaos version of the, the model on Griff Charger you got in uh, the Soul Wars box. Mm-hmm. So that's where we are up to pretty much with Bellacor in Age of Sigma is, um, I think, starting his own little army. Uh, there's also yeah. the the Chaos uh, Warband you can get in Warcry who are aligned to Bellacor as well. Oh yeah, those are great looking models. I think it's interesting that Bellacor kind of serves as like the anti-Sigmar in uh, Age of Sigmar. I think that's pretty mm. neat, especially with him, uh, you know, kind of taking advantage of these Stormcaster Eternals now. Um, because... People were wondering when we'd get like the more chaos uh, stormcast, and everyone thought, "Oh, it'll be like chaos space brains, that sort of thing." But this is again, you know, kind of coming out of left field, a different form of uh, of anti uh, superpower dude. So I think it's yeah. really neat. So to wrap up on Bellacor, <laughs> let's talk about 40k. So Bellacor apparently has been around since the start of time. This goes back to what we said about you know the whole everything to do with Slanesh and the origins of Bellacor and how it all makes sense. Um, Bellacor has apparently been worshipped across numerous alien worlds by different alien races that are now extinct. And um, But this is all some dastardly kind of like um, ruse as a tech magos called Kyber is collecting the relics uh, which... Bellacor requires, and as this Magos is doing the research and going to these alien worlds and doing Xeno archaeology, it gives Bellacor the chance to destroy any remaining historical evidence that Bellacor existed. So Bellacor's trying to eliminate the historical record of their existence and their cults, while also claiming back these lost relics. So I don't know what that's all about. Um, mm. And all the while, Bellacor is helping out Abaddon, orchestrating events to aid the Warlord. Uh, but again, Bellacor is looking to assert power and essentially use whatever benefits they can get of Abaddon to, you know, more than likely go after the Chaos Gods themselves. So Bellacor's up to something which I think I think it's only in the last few editions of 40k. Bellacor is they're really establishing Bellacor as this 
as this kind of player within the mm. the madness that is the 40k universe yeah and i mean you can see some some easy uh plot threads right there uh for a role-playing game you know uh helping out with finding some of these lost relics and then having them vanish essentially and only your memory yeah. uh contains the information that this entity of bellacourt does exist um yeah that's that's neat uh it also kind of you know doesn't go the way you'd expect it to you know and you'd think that he'd be trying to hoard all of the uh the information about him but instead you know destroying it perhaps um is uh is very interesting and in trying to remove that history of him when chaos gods want to be worshipped bellacor wants to go unseen which is pretty neat yeah it's 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 definitely a it's definitely an interesting thing. It, the question is what what's are these lost objects of power essentially um, elements of Bellacor that have been you know taken from Bellacor by the Chaos Gods as punishment, and then is the erasure of Bellacor's history again a way of removing hooks that Chaos Gods have into Bellacor? And thus opening up loopholes in how Bellacor can operate against the Chaos Gods. That's kind of what I'm thinking is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good angle to go with. But uh, definitely, if you're running a role playing game, you know, keep up the mystery and uh, see what the players come up with. You know, they might. Uh, yeah, again, crazy theory. Again, it's just uh, another way of having something that looks like one of the Chaos Gods, but actually is something which is in some ways really not, but very close to them. And that adds, you know, like I say, extra mystery and misdirection. Okay, so that's Bellacore. Who are we going to talk about next? <laughs> All right, let's talk about the original, the original fifth chaos god. Let's talk about Malal. Because Bellacore, in a lot of ways, was created to fill a void that was created, uh, you know, in the 1980s. Uh, Malal was originally published in uh, the uh, Citadel uh, Compendium. Uh, which had some comics in it. And one of those comics was about this anti-chaos, anti-hero, Caleb Dark. Uh, he was a uh, heavy metal badass who was traveling all across the old world, ruining the machinations, the plans of the ruinous powers, and seeking uh, these crystal keys to free the law goddess, Arianka, from her crystal coffin. So Caleb Dark only got three published issues, but what stood out was, of course, his patron deity, Malal. Uh, this was the fifth chaos god who was a renegade against chaos. Um, Malal, of course, has a, a host of anti-hero champions, all of them called the Doomed Ones. And Malal's divine aspects are destruction and anarchy, uh, seeking to destroy the other chaos gods, uh, ostensibly by allying with the law gods. Uh, Malal's number is 11, much like the other Chaos Gods, he has a number, and his colors are ironically black and white. Malal crops up in a few odd places throughout Warhammer and Warhammer Fantasy roleplay lore. Um, he's, of course, uh, briefly mentioned in the original core book, the first edition of Warhammer Fantasy roleplay, uh, right next to all the Law Gods, which we'll get to those later. Um, there's a miniature called Scrag the Slaughterer. He's an ogre figure. Um, but it's also mentioned in the description that he's a Malal follower. And uh, Malal and his followers crop up a few times in early warmer fantasy roleplay adventures. But of course, Malal, uh, as people well know, was written out of Warhammer due to some intellectual property issues with the comic writers. But uh, you know, his existence kind of still echoes to this day. Um, in Warhammer 40,000, there's a notable 
uh, chapter of Chaos Space Marines known as the Sons of Malice. Um, originally, these were a uh, loyalist chapter, um, but after the uh, Astartes saved this aquatic hive world uh, from Chaos Cultists, they began a celebration which devolved into debauchery and near cannibalism. Um, there was an Inquisitor there, and the Inquisitor observed uh, this going on, but probably misinterpreted a, an Astartes flesh-eating rites. Uh, Space Marines, of course, are able to consume others and uh, uh, get some kind of genetic information from them. Uh, the Inquisitor called in a strike force of Adeptus Sororitas to drive the Marines off the planet and uh, excommunicated them. The Sons of Malice fled to the Eye of Terror uh, and became worshippers of the chaotic force Malice, which uh, represents the self-destructive nature of chaos. Um, now they reside in an ancient ship uh, called the Labyrinth. Uh, it's kind of a sacred home for them. Warbands uh, will return once a century with humans and Xenos to feast upon, and the most daring of the Sons of Malice will compete to be proclaimed as one of the doomed one champions of the chapter. Uh, the Sons hold 11 to be their sacred number. They, in fact, have 11 chapters, uh, uh, sorry, 11 companies in their Space Marine chapter, and they don black and white armor making many suspect that Malice may truly be Malal reborn in the 40k universe. And uh, Malice is kind of interesting uh, as a force because it's able to be summoned directly into the material, into basically normal space, and uh, it can then possess a mortal, which uh, is very different than the other uh, you know, chaos gods themselves. Kind of interesting. Yeah, I think there's, you're right, there's a lot of parallels there with, um, with Bellacor and... I wouldn't yep. be surprised if the Sons of Malice are worshipping Bellacor, like the truth of it is Bellacor is their patron. Because of that yeah, similarity yeah. of being summoned into the Materium to possess a mortal, that's very Bellacor uh, from what we've been saying uh, with respect to Warhammer. Mm. Um, and yeah, just the fact that that idea of a renegade Chaos God, what does that really mean to be renegade against Chaos? chaos against chaos um yeah yeah it's almost an oxymoron in so uh in a sense but it essentially means well against i mean when you're against the the other chaos gods i think it's clear that you're against either of the excesses of either of them and you're just out for chaos you know in its general sense of yeah, more pure of excessiveness pure en entropy right pure entropy yeah. is really what uh they're going for so that's pretty cool. I, I mean, yeah, in forty k, that's that's usable quite easily. I mean, you could e you could again quite happily have cultists um, in a game of Imperial Maledictum or Wrath and Glory who venerate uh, uh, um, you know malice or something which you know you give it any name, but eleven is the mm -hmm. sacred number, and yep. also you know working to summon something directly into the material plane and really just being chaos but not as you know them and again you know injecting that level of mystery and the unknown into your 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 games yeah definitely and um i have some some notes on this at the bottom but uh i think malal would slot in incredibly well into soulbound because the setting's perfect for it. you've got these heavy metal uh you know epic fantasy mm. setting of age of sigmar uh and and the doomed ones are just striding across the uh, the broken realm, searching for these crystal keys to unlock a coffin containing the goddess from a long dead world. 
I mean, it's hmm. perfect for it. And Age of Sigmar, in some ways, is a uh, it's it's almost an end game that's near Malal's victory, right? The world yeah. is broken, you know, literally shattered into eight realms. Uh, and there's only a few points of light that are supporting the species of order. And the Chaos Gods, uh, you know, as they kind of ruled this place before Sigma returned, they're becoming fat, lazy. They're, you know, open to being toppled by the champions of anarchy. So I think Malal is is perfect to just get right in there for Age of Sigmar as, an, as a, yeah. you know, alternate force, uh, you know, chaos that doesn't feel like chaos. Right. Let's move on to the next demigod looking for you know godhood and we're going to wrap up actually we'll follow up this one with um another one because the parallels are actually quite strong mm. so we're going to talk about vashtor the archiphane who is relatively new in the 40k universe so vashtor is the machine god of chaos in essence um the master of soul forges the god in the machine so uh, essentially, they are a demigod in charge of the Forge of Souls. It's this place in the Imbiturum, in the Realm of mm. Chaos, where souls can be used, demons can be used, and reforged to create, essentially, demonic engines. Uh, so, and these engines then you know, can go out into the universe and cause destruction everywhere. Uh, but that means then that Vashtor is, in essence, the demigod of engineers, scientists, artisans, and inventors. So this is almost then where the others are the excess of emotions. This is the excess of 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 almost the excessive artifice, where and the, can be the excessive reason too. Yeah, where those things lead to. You know, it's essentially it's like where we fear, like, you know, AI is going to take over the world. This is that kind of the demigod of that, where the machines take over the world and reduce it into grey goo or into horrific, you know, horrific vistas, which, you know, humanity and emotion and and all the things we, we consider normal cannot exist. Um, so that in itself is interesting. It's also the hubris of trying to enslave the natural forces with technology which i think is a is a great concept for a chaos god uh so vashor has infrequently entered the 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 material realm origins unknown uh as i said manages the demon engines but compared to bellacor is not a trickster is not making creating you know trying to word pacts and pledges that entrap the unwary into you know awful awful pledges that leave people's souls open to be taken from them in a whim instead essentially vashra is making pledges to people which are so good that you want them you want that power at the cost that vashra is giving so again, like Bellacor, Vashtor though is also um, keeping all the chaos gods in his pocket uh, as they require Vashtor's expertise to create the various machines of death in all of their different aspects for each of the chaos gods, uh, which then also on top of it all makes Vashtor a rival to Bellacor in that, you know, chasing all these artifacts and relics out there, which will lead to elevation to godhood. Mm. Uh, and Vashtor, like Bellacor, has made an alliance with Abaddon in order to collect something known as the Key 
in order to find the lock, which will then open up the... Is it locked to the weapon? Yes, the weapon, which is some unknown device that will make Vashtor the next fifth... will make them the fifth Chaos God. Something which, mm. if you look at the law of the Horus Heresy, is what uh, Horus was endeavouring to do, or should have become, mm. if that had all succeeded. Yep. So Vash, these items are somehow related to like making a tunnel between the material realm into the warp. So that's all curious. And obviously, right now, only the key has been collected, which was stolen by Vashtor from the Rock, which is the fortress monastery, space station, battleship, whatever you want to call it, of the uh, Dark Angels, which is a remnant of their homeworld Caliban. Fun fact... Caliban, uh, when it got destroyed and sucked into the warp, uh, became Vashtor's personal machine planet, which is now called Wormwood. So Vashtor's cool. Vashtor's really cool. I love Vashtor. And that Caliban fact is very peculiar because that world was not known for technology at all. It was quite the backwater uh, with pretty much like medieval uh, Western European level of technology. So having this become this twisted world is a very strange, twisted technological world is a very strange connection uh, between Vashtor and uh, and the Dark Angels as well. It mostly relates to the fact that, as you say, Caliban was a backwater, in many respects, a medieval kind of, you know, verdant world of forests and, you know, dangerous animals. So to have it perverted and turned into a machine planet fits Vashtor's kind of agenda. Indeed. Now, Chris, how do you feel about this this concept of enslaving natural forces with technology? You know, in some ways, that feels like the opposite of chaos. It's it's a form of uh, stasis and order. Um, so, I think it's more. I think in? it's more. I think it's more taking control of them and then unleash them through technology. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Rather than being at the mercy of the chaos of nature you have the chaos of technology overwhelming and controlling the natural forces uh but yeah it is a i mean once you do that and then the corrupting influence of technology and how it then creates new horrors is i think that's the chaos of it because you know technology in the wrong hands in the wrong environment can spread out of control and pollute places and and destroy environments uh i think that's the chaos of it it's almost the chaos of of environmental pollution and and ecosystem collapse Hmm. intriguing the imperium does that a lot so good for vashtor um has got my vote (laughs) now (laughs) this one i'm going to skip forward and and over the next one which you can go into but we're going to talk about hashet because i think Vashtor is the 40k equivalent to Hashet. So yeah, Hashet yeah. is the chaos god of fire, greed, and tyranny, uh, is generally seen as this bull-headed figure wreathed in smoke and fire, very Balrog-like, uh, and is a, a source of sorcery which is used by the chaos dwarves rather than using runic magic. The price of this it, there's a there's a double there's a there's a balance to this because the worship of Hashet allows the, allows in the old world the chaos gods to mm-hmm. um, escape mutation the mutating powers of chaos, 
but for their chaos sorcerers, it by using it, it slowly turns their bodies into stone from the feet up, which is yep. interesting. So that's why there are statues of these stone store, uh, sorcerers lining the road to the chaos dwarf city of Tsar Nogarand. Now, there isn't tons of information from Old World about Hashet because we've never really had a We've only had like one army book, and that was a Citadel Journal kind of army book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was the uh, the uh, the geez, the Hell Cannon came out in uh, yes, uh, Warriors of Chaos. So that's kind of their demon smith, you know, demon engine, you know, the kind of yeah. marriage of chaos and technology. And they also got a uh, Forge World, um, yes, kind of series armies of books. updates. Yeah. yeah, and they got some updated miniatures that look less, you know. Um, problematic let's just say right <laughs> uh so in age of sigmar hasha is still around is worshipped by chaos duarden we've not really seen an army of those we've seen a chaos dwarf but hasha is also worshipped by humans and we've seen that with the chaos warband in uh war cry called the horns of Hashut, who have armored who are you know wear armor have these bull-like helmets and also make use of of um, steam cannons in a sense, steam cannons or, or steam. They're like flamethrowers, but they spurt steam at people instead. And they operate as a um, spearheading force to the Chaos Duarden to wreak havoc on the lands. And then their Duarden masters create these forges and temples to Hashut on the on the conquered. Uh, lands and then related to that in the salamander spine mountains which must be in the realm of fire but don't quote me on that there was a ancient fire slayer enclave and now there are rumors that travelers who go through these mountains see battle forges and you know bull-headed statues and so forth clearly mm. there are worshippers of hasha so I would be. It'd be pretty cool to see um, some chaos fire slayers in future. Yeah, uh, and and similar. And the reason why I parallel this to Vashtor is because they're both chaos gods of industry. In in essence, yep. yeah, the yeah. parallels are strong. I, I concur. I concur. And I was considering uh, how uh, Hashuk could be used. Um, Vashtor can't really go back to Warhammer Fantasy. I'm not, no. I'm not feeling that. Not feeling that vibe. But what if you stuck Hashut into Warhammer 40k? Put him into the far future. You know, clearly uh, he could be sort of a uh, opponent or foil to Vashtor. Um, you know, whereas we know that uh, Vashtor is, you know, in the Soulforge creating these demonic engines, Hashut might be the kind of uh, a god kind of about the interface between mortals and technology so things like cybernetics for example could really be hashut's i think i would go with hashut in 40k is one of the um what are they called well i can't think of of our new squat overlords what are they called what's Uh, the the squat army voter so the votan have these ai right Mm -hmm. that that are in charge of their society oh so one of those is actually is Hashut. It's a whole bunch of Votan who are chaos aligned. Whether or not mm-hmm. the other Votan know this or not, they don't know. And behind Hashut is actually Vashtor, 
So it's just Ooh, a face for Vastral for the Votan. Yeah, I would do that. That's a great angle. That was a great angle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking about maybe having them be two demigods that could team up in such a way that uh, they might be able to take out one of the one of the uh, four main Chaos Gods. Uh, but having it as a face for, of Vashtor for the Votan is uh, pretty rad. Uh, I like that a lot. Right. Let's deal with the next one, then. <laughs> All right. Well, things are about to get real weird, everybody. So Malice Darkblade. He's a dark elf. Uh, Dan Abinant came up with him, and he lost his soul uh, as it was torn from his body and dragged into the realms of chaos by the demon who possessed him. Uh, a decade later, it was revealed to Malice that the demon, uh, Zarkon, was in hiding with the dark elf's soul, and the dark elf, Malice Darkblade, intended to get it back. So Malice journeyed to a relatively unknown pocket of the realms of chaos called Alterity. Uh, it's this floating slab of earth, basically out in space, it seems like, uh, in the shape of a, uh, the eight-pointed star of chaos. And here, amongst many demonic guardians and servitors, rules the screaming godchild. This faceless humanoid entity cries out for all eternity, trapped in this eight-pointed cage since birth. Uh, the godchild is capricious and arbitrary chaotic in its actions not because the entity is you know conniving or destructive but it simply doesn't know any better uh in some ways it's kind of that force of entropy malice confronts the demon uh with his soul and escapes but not before uh the god child notices uh the spiteful demon uh <laughs> the spiteful god demon uh traps the demon zarkon once more into malice uh, making his years and uh quests for naught <laughs> uh, the Screaming Godchild uh, would be just another oddity in the uh, Black Library fiction and in the uh, Warhammer Monthly comic books. Uh, for And it was originally, you know, as I mentioned, introduced in the, uh, the Dan Abbott Malice Darkblade comics. But it was also included in Mike Lee's Lord of Ruin novel. Now, hmm. that's not too notable, but apparently Mike Lee is ardent, convinced, goes online, talks about this. He thinks that the screen child, god child is, in fact, a full-fledged chaos god. Um, its power, we, we can see from the fiction, its power greatly exceeds that of a, a normal greater demon, uh, while the god child also controls a small pocket realm on the level of maybe like the horned rat. Um, the existence of the screaming god child does beg several questions. Uh, who trapped it in this pocket realm? Who are its parents? And uh, how was it created? And also, can it mature and challenge the four main gods? Or is it, you know, forever stunted in this uh, place that it is? Um, so, you know, originally I was ready to just kind of dismiss this uh, deity as an aberration. Uh, but it's actually kind of ingenious. You know, children, particularly neglected ones, can oftentimes be agents of chaos. So why would that steady, uh, you know, source of emotions from the old world let's say uh that that confusion and angst why wouldn't it fuel the creation of another chaos god another deity of some sort there but it's mm. pretty weird also mike lee is convinced that uh, malice darkblade's warp sword is actually the uh the sword of cain which is <laughs> wow not not the case but he's got some ideas he's got some ideas uh <laughs> malice darkblade needs to come back to age of sigma that would be like 
awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it would be. I, I never read the final novel, but I assume he did not make it through the uh, uh, no. the end times. But that hasn't stopped a lot of people from making a comeback. I mean, Gotrek's back. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, before we get on to the last bit, then, we're going to talk about, I think the other thing we'll wrap up the, the stuff we haven't mentioned in here, other entities nearing godhood obviously we've we've spoken about marathi when we've we've talked about um elves in the warhammer world uh we've also covered uh the horned rat where we've spoken about skaven and yeah. we've definitely covered skaven yeah we've covered yeah, skaven. We've, covered, oh, yeah. We, we've we've pretty much almost covered all the basics of in our series in dark hammer so we're gonna start i guess we're gonna have to start picking out some specifics for role-playing um so what's the next thing we're going to talk about uh, then mike what have we got here the oddities continue so uh we've got the gods of law uh this is a weird one so warmer fantasy cribbed a whole lot from michael moorcock and his eternal champions uh series and within that there are of course the forces of chaos but there's also the forces of law so Games Workshop in the 1980s decided to uh, copy that too, creating four gods of law. Uh, they stopped appearing in Warhammer. Well, actually, this isn't quite true. They mostly stopped appearing in Warhammer material after the late <laughs> 80s. Uh, but they remain an interesting aspect to explore. And actually, as I was researching this, they have like had these really vague mentions in fourth edition of Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, what Cubicle 7 is currently putting out. And then uh, the author, C.L. Werner, he just loves to drop in their names occasionally just to mess with people. <laughs> um, so law gods opposed to chaos, but they are not good. Um, where a victory of the chaos gods would mean carnage, anarchy, uh, a world torn apart by the winds of magic into eight different realms. Uh, victory of the law gods would put the world into stasis. No change for better or ill. Uh, and as such, the civilized species of the old world's kind of don't like the law gods uh not much more than the chaos gods and prefer to worship of course their neutral pantheons like uh you know the human uh pantheons you know ulrich sigmar etc elven gods and the like but in the old source material the uh three law gods do exist uh actually potentially four so the first is illuminas uh who is the law god of light uh, this source of everlasting and unchanging pure light immobilizes anything that it touches. Uh, the god is pretty much ignored by most of the civilized species, only being invoked by the occasional Celestial Order wizard. Uh, but intriguingly, the Sisters of Sigmar located a temple to Illuminas that was unearthed by the comet that struck Mordheim, <laughs> City of the Damned. Maybe that's a link to Bellicor right there. I don't know. Yeah. And that also means that it was probably underneath the city, which is interesting when we talk about the next law god, who is Arianka, uh, renamed uh, Astasis because Arianka was created in the Caleb Dark comic books. Uh, so little is known about uh, this law goddess because she was long ago imprisoned by Zinch in a glass coffin, which is beneath the uh, Kislevite city of Prague. Legend has it that she can only be freed by a set of crystal keys. Uh, but nonetheless, many chaos hordes and warbands have invaded the city, hoping to steal the entombed goddess away. And then finally, uh, we have Solkan, who is the god of vengeance, uh, seeking to inflict retribution 
and uh, create conformity. Uh, in the old lore, many witch hunters actually worshipped Sulcan, uh, particularly those coming out of Tilia. And uh, the lost empire province of Saland, which I think got absorbed into Sylvania? Uh, not Sylvania. Uh, blah, 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 blah. I can't even remember it right now. Um, it actually gets its name from Sulcan. Uh, there is a priest of Sulcan who uh, features in the early Warhammer novel Zaragaz, and uh, nobody likes him. Uh, he's ostensibly out to catch some chaos cultists, but uh, he causes a lot of collateral damage along the way. Um, there's also a theoretical fourth law god, which is uh, Daura, but it seems like this is probably just the human goddess of law, Verena. It's kind of like a theoretical law god that Verena probably is like the uh, approachable aspect of. Um, GW also released some Law God demon miniatures, but these were just repurposed Christian angels. Um, so that was pretty <laughs> lame. Yeah. Um, yeah, the Law Gods, uh, they're weird. Uh, you know, one one thing that's interesting, I was doing a little research, and apparently uh, Graham, Graham uh, Davies has a pretty good blog where he discussed how these came into being. And basically, he got the script for Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay 1st Edition from Rick Priestley. And it had two of the law gods in there, Illuminas and Arianka, but they're really vague. They didn't really do anything. So he created uh, Solcon. So there's at least like an active law god that was really mm. out doing things and could be you know interacted with. But be- because there was that lack of development and basically Rick Pixie wrote some things down and not much was really done with it, they kind of fell to the wayside pretty fast. Um, and they don't make a lot of sense for the Warhammer fantasy setting you know how do they get their power mortals aren't really worshiping them and they aren't like the chaos gods where they're getting these kind of you know harnessing the energy these primal emotions and what what are they really getting uh from from mortals to power themselves they just seem they just don't really fit the metaphysics that well at least in the way they're presented in in warmer fantasy i think it's interesting the idea that they have ancient temples under certain cities because mm, that mm. makes them a bit like the um city stones of you know ancient arabic cities so you know the black stone you have the black stone uh you also have the white stone you also have the red stone um because mm. the black stone's in mecca isn't it uh yeah black stone in mecca but you also have other ones, and and these actually date back before Islam. So they're 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 to do with you know ain't the 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 pre-Islamic you know beliefs, and you had city gods. So um, it would be an interesting kind of way of saying that these gods exist where society exists in some sort of order, uh, but they were ancient societies before humanity grew so much that it fractured into smaller you know city states and and kingdoms and had even more gods born out of their beliefs so hmm. they i think that makes sense if they were very primal gods that worked when humanity was much more in the old world was much more i guess simple and hmm. you know pragmatic yeah that's that's an interesting angle um it's just it's such a crowded field because you have all of the human deities already. It, yeah. They call them in, in Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay First Edition the neutral gods, um, you know the Elven ones, Dwarven ancestors, yeah. and the like. So it's such a crowded field. I was thinking, however, and I didn't think this through very well, but 
what if you just stuck the log odds somehow into 40k because that would really (laughs) really turn things on their head i mean there's you basically have the god emperor chaos gods and then all the elven gods pretty much are dead at this point um it's uh i don't know i think we don't (sighs) do they serve as much purpose though because you've got you've got the anti-chaos of the necrons Mm. who are stasis Mm, good point that is a good point. Yeah, they already kind of... And then you've got the Tyranids, who are like primordial goo, uh, essentially. Yeah. Because that's what they're kind, or, of, or, kind of doing. Or universal antibodies as well, which is an interesting yeah. Um Yeah, yeah maybe Vlog Eyes yeah. might just not be a good idea. It might just be a bad idea. I think they idea. definitely fit Old World as that. Um, I would also be interested in... They could be quite interesting in Age of Sigma if somehow aspects of them survived as remnant memories. Like, mm. apparently, Mordheim also has. No, sorry, because, like, the. Not Mordheim, but, like, um, Morsleib, you know, the Warpstone Moon has essentially mm. its shadow exist in the mortal realms. You know, it, mm. it exists in a way. So, again, does Mordheim exist? Yeah, I. No, I mean. It, it, it's interesting, um, and maybe the law gods make more sense, perhaps through the lens of um, the Kemri forces, because Kemri are ancient, like mm. before Sigma. Mm. That's interesting. So, could the gods of law actually be the ancient gods of Kemri? That's an that angle. would work. That's an angle. That is kind of neat. And that then, um, and then that relates back to the idea, like I said, about these gods being—they tied the gods to particular cities to represent order, taking over what was then quite a, you know, untamed lands. But, but why are they? Why were they cast off in favor of the neutral gods? Uh, because uh, they were who forgotten. are who if are they were the... who are we've pointed out aspects of. Or or portions of chaos gods. You know, that's one of the theories yeah. that we've been kind of kind of pushing forward uh here. I was just, Why... just thinking, what who are the gods of, of uh of Kemri? I was just just had to Google yeah, that. I don't, I don't, I don't know who the gods of Kemri are of the Tomb Kings. Uh Nekaran Pantheon, thank you. Thank you for the wikis out there for these beautiful <laughs> people that write tons of notes. Ne uh Nehekaran Pantheon. We have a whole host of Asaf, goddess of beauty, Kassar, god, god of the desert, uh, the Jar, god of dac- uh, jackals and death, Pakta, god of hawks, Petra, god of the sun. Yeah, so, you have the sun yeah, god there's, right there. So some of those could be the gods of. You've got Sokath, god of poisons. You never know. Some of those could have could well be. Or they could all be aspects of the gods of order, well, gods, gods of law. Hmm. That, that, that could be could interesting. Be a route of going it. That could be a good take in that uh, law gods were part of the Kemri civilization. Kemri gets wrecked mostly from doing crazy magic, death magic, and such. And yeah. the law gods were kind of forgotten after that. Uh, also, I guess it depends whether the law gods were more prevalent in whatever proto-humans were there before the fall of the Chaos Gates. Yeah. That that potentially explained their origin more, because if you think about it, 
the polar gates falling, shattering the world, therefore shattering mm-hmm. the law gods into different aspects. So yeah, these yeah. these ancient cities, these ancient temples to the law gods predate even Khemri. Yeah, that'd be good. So the 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 Nehekaran pantheon is just like a misunderstood worship of law gods, perhaps based off of yeah, like, fragments I mean, of, of ancient civilizations. That's I, pretty good. I now, think we're going for the I think we're going for the Graham Hancock answer to who the law gods yeah. are in the Warhammer world. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe. But that's, I think that's a, an interesting route. Um, so. That brings to wrap up how we use these things then in the RPGs. I think for the law gods, as we've said, there isn't really much you can do with them other than they could potentially be the origins of relics, magic, you know, antiquities that, uh, at least in the Warhammer world, uh, old world, could be then the focus of things that the Chaos Gods are out to destroy. In the 40k universe, I think, you know, they're kind of a pointless thing to to uh, delve into. Um, Hashut versus uh, Vashtor, I, I think we came up with the idea. I think it's definitely a way of yeah. perhaps presenting Votan as um, as having chaos aspects to them. And perhaps delving into the the Iron Men. Uh, why did the Iron Men mm-hmm. turn on humanity? Was that something to do with Vashtor? Uh, so there's certainly uh, things to look at there. Um, you could have cult... God, could you have cults to Vashtor trying to create cybernetic bodies for themselves? That would sure. be fun. I like it. I like it. Uh, that also gets you back into Chaos Robots from back in the day, if you remember what <laughs> Chaos Robots were. Um, yeah. The Necrons now, they look very much like Necrons uh, do now, but that could be a cool route. Especially if you go for that more kind of, um, uh, let's think, kind of like more um, Tetsuro kind of Iron Man kind of approach, where, you know, the machines are melding with your flesh. Uh in those uh, fun and awful ways. Uh, Malau, as you said, you had some good ideas with that with, because again, I guess, is it because Malau just fits with the more kind of post-apocalyptic heavy metal fantasy of Age Sigma? I think so. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, because Malal and, you know, the Cale of Dark comics, they work pretty well when he's adventuring through the chaos wastes. But if he gets to the civilization of the old world, uh, it doesn't work as well. But Age of Sigma is just so, first off, it's just so broad Ooh. and open. I just thought, like, you were saying through the Chaos Waste. So what if yeah. you're... Oh, wow. What if you're weird... What if you're soul-bound, but rather than, than to Sigma or to Nagash, you're soul-bound to Malal, and you go into the eight points to fight against the forces of Chaos? That's That'd be interesting. Bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I could see exactly Bellacor trying to do his own soul-bound for that exact reason. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, is it is there not enough room for both Malal and Bellacor? Because Bellacor kind of does the Malal thing, but with a bit more finesse, more yeah. pizzazz. Malal is, I mean, come on, there's only three comics. Apparently there's a fourth one, but it never got published. There's not a lot of content there. Doomed Ones is a pretty cool name. Yeah, Eleven and you know the black and white thing. But uh, Bellacor at this point has just had so much more development, and most of it's really rad. So I, I think I think if you're going to pick one, go with Bellacor. 
Uh, but I do want to uh, point out a couple ideas about the Screaming Godchild because we didn't really talk about that yeah. one. Uh, I think it'd be pretty cool to stick into 40K, mostly as, I mean, it's like a pre-made adventure location, basically, you know, for your RPGs. It's It can be a demon planet or even just this weird kind of fold of the Immaterium uh, where this floating eight-pointed star planetoid exists. And, you know, if you're playing like a Rogue Trader game with the old FFG system, I mean, you basically have a crazy event horizon location right there. And then for Black Crusade, uh, if you're playing that one, uh, those kind of, you know, cabals that you're you're playing as would be challenged to interact with this god child uh, and its demons. And of course, everything la- lost in that kind of labyrinth that it has. But if they can destroy this creature or somehow um, get it under their thumb, they could, of course, get great rewards from the, their patron gods. So it's uh, definitely good. Definitely a good spot for a lot yeah. of Warhammer. I think the, obviously the main take home from this is that obviously there's lots of alternative demigods and uh, lesser lesser chaos gods which you can utilize in your RPGs as the patrons of antagonists, which essentially allows you to explore different aspects of chaos and therefore have enemies which don't neatly slot into one of the four chaos powers and of course we always go back to Warcry with this because you know you've got the cults like the Corvus Cabal who worship chaos through the you know through the crow you've got the um, Tarantula Sprood that worship chaos as this like great spider you've got the I can't remember what the hell they're called the ones that worship chaos as like just this unending fire you've got the Cypher Lords who I can't remember what aspect they go for. Um, I'm golems, etc., etc., etc. They all look at chaos through different lenses, and that's where the fun of those warbands in 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 Warcry and thus Age of Sigma comes from. But those can, I think, should be used as a jumping point even for 40k base RPG. So why shouldn't a chaos cult be venerating? Um, an aspect of chaos, which is which takes the form of some, you know, again, some spider or uh, a rat or some other yeah. creature yeah, or, or fundamental primal force. Yeah, no, that's a great idea. And there was something similar in the um, Eisenhorn trilogy, right? With the um, was it like a was it like a pig chaos cult or something like that. Uh, they're definitely cornate. <laughs> they're definitely yeah, yeah. cornate. Oh, yeah. Uh, absolutely absolutely uh, it's pretty obvious but you know having that kind of different way of worshiping that different aspect was uh yeah i think a good way of doing it cool okay so that kind of wraps up our chaos gods mini series uh that we've done um i have no clue where we go next with dark hammer i think i think we're gonna have to start looking at at places and people i think places is mostly more interesting because Places are where people go to and where notable characters in any of the worlds of Warhammer end up. And so these places then become, you know, uh, melting point, uh, you know, melting pots for various interesting plots. And if we start with, you know, Warhammer and, and, and 40k with Wrath and Glory and Age of Sigma, we've got some wonderful locations to like cover. I mean, uh, we've got Ulfen Khan, we're going to talk about a lot because there's, the upcoming book for that. 
Uh, we go and look at Outdorf. We can look at, uh, we've talked about Necromunda before for sure, but we can look at some of the other hive worlds and things that are appearing, other novels or, or subsectors, because uh, obviously Imperium Maledictum covers the entire Macarium subsector. Uh, we've got the Calexis subsector as well, which is now the, the main focus of the Rogue Trader computer game as well. So maybe it's locations is what we look at next. Or if you've got your own ideas and have suggestions, just ping us at darkadaysradio at gmail.com. Um, also, alternatively, you can contact us via our Discord uh, or on social media at darkadaysradio. We're on threads. Yeah, we're on not on Blue Sky yet. We're on Twitter while it's still not a burning... No, it is a burning cesspit. Um, uh, and um, and uh, and on Facebook and other places. So, yeah, I think that covers that. Uh, any other ideas of where you want to go next with the Worlds of Warhammer, Mike? Hmm. Maybe just like I a character it's... creation series. I think that's that's always good. So uh, I think kind of mechanical aspects would be great. Yeah. Imperial, Imperial Maledictum is still the new thing we can look at that um but yeah definitely we'll look at character creation we'll look at places maybe we'll look at character creation with a place like how would you make oh yeah a character that suits uh anvil guard because anvil guard is the best place in all of the mortal realms um <laughs> but yeah we'll look at we'll we'll have a think of some ideas but there's definitely more content we've got we've got to cover the votan as well at some point um for because we haven't mm-hmm. covered them yet and and squats so yeah that's it for now so thank you for listening again thank you mike for researching this and coming up with the cool ideas on how to use these entities in our games and uh we'll speak to you all soon for another dark hammer so goodbye for now take it easy